Having said all of that, we'll save our prayer time to the end of our service. If you would, turn in your Bible to the book of Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And I know we were in Revelation chapter 20 last week, but I want to kind of touch on a couple of things quickly tonight uh, to finish up this chapter. Because we only have chapter 21 and then chapter 22 and we'll be done with the book of Revelation. And we've covered a lot of material, and I certainly can go back and look at some of these chapters and think maybe we should have spent more time in it uh, and spent uh, you know, a lot more detail in the chapters. But uh, I'm sure, Lord, if the Lord sees fit, that we'll be able to get back in Revelation at some other point. If we get in the book of Daniel, a lot of the things in Daniel, we can cross-reference with Revelation. And so those books go hand in hand, as we've said from the very beginning. Uh, but if nothing else, as we're winding down this book, there's great... Uh, catastrophes that are yet ahead for this world but there's also great hope and the hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ and his imminent and soon return uh, we see that emphasized in chapter 20 and again the key to revelation is the Old Testament and the key to the Old Testament is the New Testament and now all the events of the Old Testament are pointing to the events of revelation and certainly the most important time the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the second advent and the day of the Lord. But before we go into our chapter tonight, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to ask your blessing upon the reading of thy holy word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Thank you for scripture that, Lord, is an encouragement to us. It's a two-edged sword. Lord, it, it cuts both ways and it encourages us and it also convicts us. I'm thankful, Lord, for the spiritual food that it is for our hungry soul as well. And I pray that we would have come into this place of worship tonight hungry. I pray also, Lord, for those that join us online, that you might be with them. I know that there's many that are hurting tonight. I've got a dear friend that's lost her husband this week. Lord, I just pray for her. I pray, Lord, that you lift her up and bring her the encouragement that she needs. And I know that our dear friend Lawrence is in a better place. He's with you and in your presence. And, uh, Father, we know there'll be a great reunion one morning as we're reading about these things at the end of Revelation. Well, it'll be a time where you'll wipe away all tears from our eyes. There'll be no sorrow or pain or death or sorrow or suffering. All those former things are going to be passed away. You're going to make all things new. Lord, we look forward to that moment. But until then, may you help us to be faithful. May you bless Mountain Springs Baptist Church. May, Lord, you just send a great revival to our church. And, Lord, I pray that you would do that even tonight. May you revive our spirit. Thank you for all that you've done and all that you're about to do as we study this chapter and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, the Bible told us in chapter number one that there's a blessing for those that hear this book and read this book and keep those things that are written therein. So uh, I can't answer for you, but I certainly desire the blessings of God. And, uh, and I'm thankful for the blessing of God that he gives us just by spending quality time in his word and what a blessing it is. In chapter number 20, and I saw verse 1, an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. 
This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to the battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne on him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. As we said in our last study, uh, this is the chapter that deals, about, uh, deals with the subject of the kingdom age. And of course the kingdom, there's a coming king. And the king is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the rightful heir to the throne of David. And, uh, and he's going to rule and reign. On a, a literal throne for a literal 1,000 years. And I don't, I'm not going to spend much time tonight going back over that trying to defend it. I believe the Bible says what it says and I believe what it says as it says it. We see that the devil's tried to prevent that from the very beginning from Genesis chapter 1. Certainly chapter 3 he shows up in the Garden of Eden and he's tried to, to thwart the plan of God from that point forward. If I had my chart up, I'd show you it's called the trail of the serpent. It's, it's following the, the activity of the devil. And the Bible calls him in verse 2 the dragon, the serpent, the devil, and Satan. And he's tried to disrupt the plan of God to make a liar out of God from the very beginning. He will continue his efforts. He will be unsuccessful. He will be bound. He'll be chained for a thousand years. And for the first time... Really, since the beginning of creation, the world is going to be at peace like the world has never known. It's during this time of a thousand years reign where the Lord himself will rule from Jerusalem. He's going to sit on a throne and he's going to judge the nations. It'll be a time where the Bible says in the Old Testament that a child will be over a hundred years old. It'll be almost like it was in the days before the flood where people were living hundreds and hundreds of years. We think about Methuselah that lived over 900 years. It'll be a time where the swords will be beaten into plowshares. It'll be a time where the lion and the lamb, these beasts that are mortal enemies, uh, will lay down together. You see the peace like we saw even on the news today with uh, uh, you know Benjamin Netanyahu and Trump and all these Arab nations, their leaders and all coming together trying to sign peace treaties. That's all well and fine and good. But I know what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches there'll never be true peace until the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, comes again. So all these peace treaties are just for show. It's just blowing smoke. It's not real. It's certainly not lasting because the real peace comes when the one who's called the Prince of Peace will come to rule and reign. And when he reigns, things will be done a lot different than they're done tonight. The devil's going to be cast 
into the bottomless pit for, uh, will be bound for a thousand years, the Bible says. In verse 3, in the bottomless pit and be sealed. So for the first time for a thousand years, the devil's not roaring and roaming like a lion seeking who may devour. He's not trying to sift people like weed. He's not the same character we read about earlier that said that the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. He'll be cast down for a thousand years, but then he'll be loosed. And when he's loosed at that moment, instead of learning his lesson, he's going to go full force, full speed, to try to bring about destruction, to try to uh, overturn God's peace plan, and ultimately will suffer the consequences of being cast into the lake of fire forever and forever. And what a moment, by the way, that's going to be. When we'll have front row seats to see Satan bound, Satan chained, Satan loose, and Satan defeated without even really a fight, and will be finally forever in the lake of fire. What a moment that will be. Heaven's going to be sweet because there's no Satan there. There's no sin there. And all that he's caused in this world around us. We see that verse number four, that there is judgments uh, and thrones was given unto them during this kingdom time. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. This is during the, uh, the tribulation period. This is the main form uh, of capital punishment. Around the world and certainly around the Middle East will be beheading. And by the way, that's... That's kind of a, a become, I hate to use the word popular, but, but it's almost a, a, a popularized way of capital punishment again in the Middle East. You see it in the news all the time. They're executing people, beheading people. They'll take Christian captives from Africa and all over the world. And what do they do? They put them in their orange jumpsuits. They, they march them out. They put them in a line. And as morbid and grotesque a thought as it is, they execute them in that way. So that ought to also be a clue that we're getting close to this time because that's what's going on in the world tonight. But those, thank God, that did not take the mark in the tribulation, they did not take the image or worship the image of the beast. The Bible has great things in store for them and certainly for us that are going to be in the presence of the Lord at that time forever and forever and forever. And what a moment that will be. Again, he speaks of that 1,000 years six times. And that word thousand and, and, uh, is where we get the term millennium. And uh, mil meaning thousand, annium meaning year. And it says six times in this chapter, a thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand years, a thousand years. So we know the length of the time. It'll be a thousand years. And I'm not going to go back into all of that tonight. Other than to say, if you weren't here, you didn't hear that. The thousand years is made up of either three viewpoints. Either a premillennial, postmillennial, or all millennial. A lot of times I'll get asked that question. Somebody will say, are you pre-post or all millennial? Uh, they talk about eschatology and they get into all the prophetic big terminology. Uh, I'll never forget one time I had a man call when uh, this was years ago and, and I was at a church and he called me up. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And, and I was really green and ignorant about a lot of that stuff. I speak plain English if you haven't figured it out. And he said in a real proper voice, he said, I, I wanted to hear your, your views on, uh, on hermeneutics and homiletics. I'm like, what? Is that something we ate the other day? Is that Italian food? Is, what, what is he talking about? And he said, uh, uh, I'm curious is your, your view of eschatology. And he goes down uh, soteriology. And I'm thinking, what, what in the world is he talking about? And I was trying to think fast so I didn't sound dumb. Even though I was dumb about those big words back then. And I said, uh, well, if you'll tell me your view on it, then I'll be able to tell you my views on it. 
And I guess, bless his heart, which we became good friends after that, but uh, at that point, I guess he was dumb enough to take the bait. And so he said, well, when it comes to eschatology, I'm a premillennialist, and I believe in the premillennial coming of, I'm like, oh, eschat, okay, now I know what we're talking about here. And, uh, and so you don't have to use big fancy words. It's just, what does the Bible teach? Well, here's what the Bible teaches. If you were to, like, and you always see me draw these little simple diagrams, but if you were to take the Bible... And you were to divide it like a timeline. Remember you used to do timelines in school? Well, if you were to do a timeline and you take the church for 2,000 years. And you take the Bible and almost in a chronological way. There's no way of getting around the idea that in, uh, somewhere beyond 2,000. Because we're at 2,020. But at some point the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And the rapture of the church is going to take place. It can happen at any moment. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That's 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed. In a moment, the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be at the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. All those scriptures are talking about an event in the air where those that have died in Christ. For 2,000 plus years are going to resurrect first. We which are alive and remain at that moment here. Are also going to, resur are going to be changed in a moment. Faster than you can snap your fingers. The trumpet's going to sound and we're going to be absent from our body. Present with the Lord Jesus Christ. You say well that word rapture isn't in the Bible. Well guess what. Just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean that's not what the Bible teaches. That's just the word that's used to describe what the Bible teaches. And so the Bible teaches a rapture, a calling out. That's what it means, a catching away. That word church, you've often heard it said, is, is a called out assembly. That's what church means. We're not only going to be called out from the world, we're going to be called out from the world entirely. We're going to be caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the air. Somewhere after that, the tribulation is going to begin. That tribulation we know is going to last seven years. I'm not going to get back into that tonight either, but we know it'll be seven years because the Bible says it'll be broken up into two periods of three and a half years. My math is good enough to be able to add three and a half and three and a half. It's seven years. And it talks about it as a prophetic week where one day equals one year. There's seven days in a week. There's seven years in the tribulation. Again, reading the scriptures almost chronologically, as they're written, paints this picture. Somewhere at the end of the seven years, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back at the second advent. That just means the second coming. Here, we meet him in the air. Here, we return with him. When he returns back, he returns to the Mount of Olives. It's going to split to the east and the west. He makes his way into Jerusalem. He takes charge. He controls the UN. He controls uh, uh, the United States. He controls every democracy. He controls the communistic countries. He controls it all. And he brings in a kingdom that will last for a thousand years. If you're a premillennialist, like I am, pre-meaning before, millennialist, millennium, he's coming before the millennium. Setting up his kingdom of peace. The post-millennials don't believe this. They believe that his coming somewhere is out here, but almost like in an invisible state. They believe the world's just going to get better and better and better. And after it becomes such a wonderful place, then the Lord's going to come and set up his kingdom. Now, the kingdom is a real thing. 
And it's taught throughout the entirety of the Bible, but certainly in the parables that Jesus taught, Jesus himself said to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said we're to pray the Lord's prayer for the kingdom of God to come to earth. That was what the Jews were waiting for. That's what they were anticipating with the coming of the Messiah. They knew the Messiah was prophetically going to come. The wise man knew. Herod knew. Herod knew that it was time for the Messiah to come. They all knew it. But they thought that when the Messiah would come, that he would come in as a king. And he would come in in royalty and splendor, wearing a purple robe and a crown on his head, and riding on the white charger, and all the things that he'll do at the second coming. They thought he would have done at the first coming, but he didn't come that way at the first coming. He didn't come to be a king. He came to die for the sins of this world. They couldn't understand that. That's why they forsook him after Palm Sunday, after his, uh, his crucifixion. They had expected the kingdom to come. But the kingdom, the timing of it was not yet. But that doesn't mean it won't come yet. Uh, future, it will come in the future. And so either you have to believe that the world's going to get better and then it will come. Or you believe chronologically. And what the entirety of prophetic scripture teaches is that the world's not going to get better. It's going to wax worse. The love of many is not going to grow. It's going to wax cold. Men shall be lovers of themselves. Lovers of pleasure, heady, high-minded, traitors, disobedient, truth-breakers, all those things. Disobedient to parents, without natural affection. That's what Jesus said will be the sign of the last days in the New Testament. Not a better peaceful place. So you have to put his coming somewhere. And I believe he comes back before the thousand years. He's the one that brings in the thousand years of peace. And when he brings it in, it'll be a time like this world has never known before. He talks about the resurrection of the dead. If you look back in verse number 6, verse 5, And the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. This is the first resurrection after the tribulation. The actual first resurrection took place right around the time of Jesus Christ, His crucifixion and His resurrection. Remember, many of the graves opened of the saints and appeared unto many. Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. Just like a harvest. It's in stages. He's the first fruits. Well, you've got harvest and you've got uh, uh, the next phase of the harvest of the resurrection will be at the rapture of the church. That's when the dead in Christ will rise first. But this is after the tribulation. But notice there's those that resurrect to life. But notice there's also those that shall resurrect to death. It says in verse 6, on such the second death hath no, no power. Do you know that means that those that have died that were lost are going to resurrect just like the saved in Christ are going to resurrect? But the saved resurrect to a glorified body, a new body, a supernatural body. The Bible says it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appear we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We're going to have the mind of Christ. We're going to be like Jesus Christ in our resurrected body. That's one of the great hopes of the coming of the Lord. Every one of us tonight, our body is not getting better with time. It's getting worse. Amen. Amen. It gets older. It's feeble. It's funny. All these movie stars spending millions of dollars trying to stop an aging process that you can't stop. You can't stop it. All the Botox in the world can't stop it. It's going to happen. And uh, 
And it, it, it's going to take place. You can't stop it. That's the natural man. That's the mortal body. But that's when we're resurrected, we'll put on immortality. A body that doesn't hunger, that doesn't tire, that doesn't sweat. A body that doesn't need to rest. Heaven is going to be a place of perfect rest, but it's not because we're tired all the time. It's a spiritual and a physical rest. It's a supernatural rest that we're going to enjoy for all eternity, forever and ever. But the dead that are lost are going to be resurrected. Look in verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne. And him that sat on it from whose face the heaven and the earth and heaven fled away. Now think about that, by the way. Just... The Lord looking at the earth causes it to flee into outer space. And there were found no place for them. And I saw the dead, verse 12, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. He talks about some books. Notice he says books, plural. Now, remember in Revelation, we talk about some of the books that were there. There's a book that's sealed with seven seals and no man was able to open the books. And remember, everyone was crying in heaven and John's crying, saying no one's worthy to open the books and to loose the seals thereof. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the line of the tribe of Judah, he's the one that can open up the seals. It could be that that's part of the books he's talking about. It could be the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation. Those are called books, even though they were written primarily on like a scroll, but they're still called books. And uh, it could be those books that are finally open. It could be your Bible. Do you know your Bible is made up, is called Bible, which means books. And it's made up of 66 books. Here's what I believe. I believe the Bible is one of the books that's open at the judgment. How do I know that? Well, not only because it's called the, uh, the books or the book, but because Jesus said in the Gospels, he said, there's one that'll judge you in the last days. The word that I speak unto you will judge you in the last days. This is the last days in chapter 20. We have a book that records the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to get into tonight, but what do you do about people that's never heard? What do you do about these tribal people that's never been approached with the gospel and all of that? That's a whole other lesson. Maybe we get into some evangelism. I'll talk about some of that, what the Bible teaches about it. But I'm talking about people that have no excuse like here in the United States of America. One of the best, I shouldn't say best, but most popularized phrases and expressions is judge not. Boy, that just took off like wildfire. People couldn't find that verse that their life depended on, but they could quote it. That, take a little wine for thy stomach's sake, right? But they know that. They know, judge not, judge not. But that's not what the Bible says. It says, judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. I mean, it goes on, in the, but they take a little, little snippet of it, and they use that as their motto and excuse. I can do anything I want to do. I can live anywhere I want to live. I can, whatever sin I want to commit, you can't say nothing because you're judging me. You can't judge me. Well, guess what? There's still a judgment yet ahead. And ultimately, you and I aren't going to be the judges anyway. The Lord Jesus Christ is the judge. Here, the great white throne, God's sitting on the throne. And they'll be judged not by popular opinion, not by what was current in the state of affairs and society during that time, but what saith the word of God. You see, the Bible says God changes not. 
You believe that tonight? Say amen. amen. That's scripture. God says, I change not. The Bible speaks of Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says the word of God, the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. It's, it, it, it never changes. I've got a whole message on that. There's some things that we can do without. There's some things that never change, but there's some things that should be changed. But one of the things that will never change is the word of God. It is unchangeable. So what was said 2,000 years ago is just as relevant today. A lady one time was causing a lot of trouble in church and we had to meet with her and she made the comment. We gave her scripture and she said, well, that was then and this is now. You give her another scripture. She said, well, that was then and this is now. He said, but the Bible says over here, well, but that was then and this is now. You know what verse you won't find in the Bible? That was then and this is now. You'll find in the Bible that was then and it's still then and it's still now and it always has and it always will and it always will be. You say, but Oprah Winfrey says. The Bible doesn't care what Oprah Winfrey says. Amen. You say, but Dr. Phil, he doesn't care what Dr. Phil teaches. You say, but the view ladies say. God doesn't care what the view says about anything. You're not going to be judged by Whoopi Goldberg. You're going to be judged by the word of Almighty God. And so will I. And so will every other person on the planet. The books are going to be open. It very well could be the Bible. I believe it will be the Bible because Jesus said the books will be open. But let me show you something that no one's really been able to explain over in Exodus chapter 32. Except divine revelation from God himself. Do you know that the idea that there was a book of life has been around since really just about the creation of man? have known that through divine revelation but we see the book of life which is spoken about here in verse number 12 is found all through the bible from the beginning as early as exodus all the way to revelation the book of life is here in exodus chapter 32 in verse 32 exodus 32 in verse 32 moses says this speaking about israel and their sin he said yet now if thou wilt forgive their sin and if not blot me i pray thee out of thy book which thou has written how did moses know that there was a book where his name was in it and he said He's putting it all on the line, by the way. And he's saying, God, if you don't forgive these people for their sins and their iniquity, he said, then blot my name out of your book of life. My name's in your book. Blot it out. That's Exodus 32. Now, if you would look in uh, uh, verse 33, I think it is. And the Lord said unto Moses, whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. God says, you're right. I got a book and names are in it. And the implication seems to be that the names are already in the book, but then they're blotted out of the book. You know, we say, and, and I'll look at this hopefully in just a minute, but we, we like to say, you know, your name is written down in the book of life after you, you get saved. And there is some, some truth to that, but it's almost as if it's worded that your name is in the book of life. And if you get saved, it's, it remains there, but if you're lost, it's blotted out. And that gets a little... A little deep and complicated, but look in Psalms chapter 56. Psalms chapter 56 and verse number 8. 
Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? How did the psalmist know in Psalms 56 that there's a book that God's keeping record? Look in Psalm 69, verse 28. Psalm 69 and verse 28. Let them be blotted out. Speaking about his iniquity. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. He said, blot me out of the book of the living. That's the book of life. Look in Psalms 139. I'm not going to give you all the references tonight, but I want to give you a few. Psalms 139 and verse 16. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. Think about me, he said, is written down in your book. Come to the book of Daniel. Let me give you one more in the Old Testament. There's several more, but let me give you in the book of Daniel. Daniel, I'm sorry, chapter uh, number 12. Daniel chapter 12 and verse number 1. And at that time shall Michael, that's Michael the archangel, stand up. The great prince, so Michael the archangel is called the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, that's Israel. There shall be a time of trouble, that's the tribulation, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Look in the book of Philippians in the New Testament. Find the book of Philippians chapter number 1. This is a universal theme we see all through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. It's found all through it. Under the law, under grace, there is a book, at least one, maybe many, that are being kept. Philippians chapter 4 in verse number 3. And I treat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Now, without going into the reading of all tonight, Revelation 3, verse 5. Revelation 5, verse 2. Revelation 5, verse 3. Revelation 13, 8. Revelation 17, 8. Revelation 21, 27. And Revelation 22, verse 19, by the way. 22, verse number 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from, uh, from the things which are written in this book. There is books being kept. Now, you don't have to raise your hand tonight, but I wonder how many of you keep a journal or a diary. I guess one's male, one's female. Some you know guys don't like it to be called a diary or something, so it's got to be a journal. But uh, I don't know if you, you've ever kept that. Some of the best reading outside the Bible is reading the journals and the, and the, the diaries, the, uh, the accounts of a lot of the great preachers and evangelists and missionaries throughout history. Where they're talking about what they're going through on a daily basis. It used to be a common thing. People wrote down every day what they went through the, through the day. And I, I was reading, in fact, Wesley uh, not long ago, some of his, uh, a, a little snippet of his his uh, routine that week. And I think sometimes, you know, we got it bad. 
My goodness, he talks about going through one town and, and them throwing rocks at him till he ran till he left the town and he goes to to the next town over and they uh, they beat him up and he goes to the next town and they throw him out the next town they arrest him and he spends a night in jail and and the next time you know they they stand up and chew him out and grab him by the hair and pull him outside the place and tell him he can't ever come back again and I mean and he just keep on going on for the Lord uh, but you keep track of everything well here's what I believe tonight I believe that every single thing we do Everything is being recorded. Not by the government, which they probably are. Not to scare you tonight, but if you, you've got Siri, she hears you. If you've got smart TVs, I love how they, they word all these things, you know. Smart TV. No, it's invading your privacy. If you've got, uh, uh, you know, these little devices where you tell it to play a song and ask it a recipe and all that kind of stuff. But they're always listening in. But anyway, um, satellites. Drones, things like that that are growing in popularity right now. And we know the Bible says that men will never be able to escape. Where you get to where you can't hide anywhere. Over in Europe and uh, in places like that, over in, in China and places, they've got on every street corner, every traffic light, they've got monitors, video, facial recognition systems. So if, as you're walking by, they can take an image of your face, put it in the database and tell you're a criminal or you want it, whatever, they can track you down. That's all coming to America before long. That really is. I don't want to scare y'all, but I'm being honest. I really believe that. I think it's coming to America. And we're getting closer to that moment than you think. But everything you do is being written down. You couldn't see it tonight, but if you could, there's angels, I believe, all around us in this room. And everything I've said tonight is being recorded. Everything. That's why the Bible says we've got to give an account of ourselves before God. We've got a day of reckoning where we're, the books are going to be open and we're going to be judged as believers out of the books that are open. But thank God you're there at the judgment seat of Christ because you're saved. But at this judgment, they're there because they're lost. And the book is going to be a witness against them. And everything they try to, to say at their defense, they have no defense attorney at all. The devil is there. Thank God tonight we have an advocate with Jesus Christ who fights our case for us. I can't fight my Jesus Christ fights it. He fights it for you. The books are going to be a, a show, I think it's before my time, but it's called This Was Your Life. Anybody remember This Was Your Life? And this Is Your Life? And the idea is, you know, they bring somebody out. And they're kind of unsuspected, you know, they bring them, sit them out there, and then the, the game show host would say, do you recognize this voice from your past? And they hear a voice, and they'd say, oh, that's my, my fourth grade teacher, I'd never forget. Well, here she comes out, you know, and, and they friends in their past, and they go through relationships, and, and you know, maybe some, some coach or something like that, and they're kind of telling little stories about their life. I've got a gospel track back there back wall. If you haven't ever read it, you ought to get it and read it and pass it out. That's called This Is Your Life. And it is, that thing is going to happen before the Lord. The details of how it's going to work and, and how, you know, how in the world is every single person, millions and billions and trillions of people, but God invented time. He made it. He's going to stop it. He can do what he wants to do. Every person is going to give an account of himself. The dead in Christ will rise of life, but the dead that are lost are going to resurrect to a second death. 
There's no hope beyond this life. In fact, it only gets worse. The second death. And they stand before the Lord and the books are going to be open and they're going to be judged out of those things in the book. People say, well, you know, there's going to be and a scale and if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, you don't find that here. You find you're going to be judged according to your name either in the book or it's not in the book. It's either there or it's blotted out. Well, if I, if I did enough good deeds and I gave to charity and all, and, and, and I worked things out with Simon Peter. It's always Simon Peter at the pearly gates. I don't know why it's always Simon Peter. Where did that come from? But Simon Peter at the pearly gate, no. You're not going to stand before Peter. You're going to stand before the Lord God himself. The books are going to be open. You're going to, God's going to say, you rejected my son. Why did you reject my son? What do you do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? And you say, well, I was a pretty good person. Let the books, let the record show whether you're a good person or not. Every deed you've ever done is going to be revealed. Every thought. Anybody in here have thoughts that you don't want nobody else to ever know about? Every one of us in here. Amen. Don't act like it's just me. Uh, the Bible says the Bible is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's not always the action. It's the things we thought about doing, the things that we intended to do and we didn't do. We're going to be judged. You ever have that thought? You ever said what you said? You think, well, nobody else heard me. God heard it. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Beholding the evil and the good. He sees it all. You can't hide. You can't run. Trying to hide from God is like Adam and Eve in the garden. When God says, where art thou? It's rhetorical. He knows where Adam and Eve were. He wanted them to confess where they were. He, he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, we hid ourselves because we were naked. He said, who told you you were naked? He sewed fig leaves together. They're playing hide and seek with God. Can you imagine such a thing? When our kids were little, they used to do that. They would think if they closed their eyes, we couldn't see them because they couldn't see us. And so sometimes they'd find, you know, something where their entire body's exposed except one little thing. And they'd say, find me, Daddy. Find me, Mom. And I couldn't see them. And people think, well, if I've done it in secret, if I've done it in my bedroom, if I did it in a car, if I did it in a bar, if I did it somewhere private, God hasn't heard it or seen it. And the Bible says that every idle word that men shall speak, they'll give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Every word every word i don't know about you but that's a frightening thought but guess what i don't have to worry about it because every thought i've ever had every sin i've ever committed every deed i've ever done is under the blood of the lord jesus christ and when the devil is accused of the brethren says well didn't you hear and didn't you see and didn't they do the bible says no record it's not there it's all blotted out you know what the bible says god does with our sins he cast them as far as the east is from the west. You know, it's kind of interesting. Someone pointed out one time and said, north and you have a south. And there's a where north and south meet. You go far place where it meets at the equator. But east to west has no distance really between it. There is no dividing between east and west. It's like a, it's a circle. It continually goes. You keep going east, you're going to go west. It's not the same as north and south. There's a difference. God didn't say, I've cast your sins as far as the north is from the south. 
He said, I've cast as far as the east is from the west. It's an eternal line. It's like the ring on your finger. It's an eternal line that there's no end to it. If there was an end, then eventually you get out there and find your sins again. But he says, you can't find them again. And if that wasn't enough, he said, I'll bury them in the depths of the sea of my forgetfulness. He said, they're down there below everything. He said, I'll cast them behind my back. Praise God, he said, I'll remember them no more. We remember and others remember, but the Lord Jesus Christ says, I don't remember what you've done. If you've confessed it, if it's under the blood, God doesn't use white out. He uses the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to blot out our sins. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged of a man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Folks, that day's approaching. And as long as we've got breath, as long as we've got time, as long as you've got ears to hear, let them hear. You can be saved. We can be saved. We can trust the Lord. But there's coming a day, I believe, somewhere not too far away. Kind of like before the days of the flood. Remember, God says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Noah prepared that ark, but eventually there came a day the rain fell. And when the rain fell, it was too late. There's coming a time to this world where God's going to say it's too late. 2,000 plus years. Jesus, go get your children. You ever hear that song, The Midnight Cry? If you haven't heard that in a while, go on and listen to it. He's going to say, son, go get your children. And he's going to call us out of this world. And then the worst is yet to come. And there's coming a judgment where the world is going to be judged by God himself. Out of the books, the books will be opened. 